Contract Properties is a homegrown, family-owned maintenance company located in Nashville. They provide HVAC, electrical, plumbing, painting, and many other services for commercial and residential properties. From build-outs to junk removal, one call does it all. Whether you're a homeowner or a property manager, give Contract Properties a call today for a free estimate. 615-356-0755. That's 615-356-0755. Or visit ContractProperties.net. The 3HL, powered by the Tennessee Lottery, with Brent Doherty and Don Davenport. Three HL powered by the Tennessee Lottery on 104.5 The Zone. Brent Doherty, Don Davenport uh, with you. Uh, let's go to Knoxville, get a quick Tennessee update uh, from Grant Ramey, our guy. Uh, we go to Vols 24-7. Grant, what's up? How are you? Uh, I'm surviving another another signing day, uh, trying to wind down, uh, but we'll see what happens. These days used to be a lot different, man. It just seems kind of systematic now. Yeah, th- this is the signing day. I mean, this replaced. I mean, I, everybody knows what it used to be in February. I mean, it was basically a national holiday. Now this one, this is the signing day, and whatever's left in February is just kind of whatever's left over. So did today go as planned for Jeremy Pruitt and the uh, Tennessee coaching staff? There, there was not a ton of surprises. I don't really don't. I can't really think of one surprise, whether good news or bad news for Tennessee. They, they had a list of guys that these are the guys that we think we're going to get today. And it's just kind of they've went down the list and hit all those guys. Jeremy Pruitt, I think he might be still talking to the media right now. He mentioned the number was 14 uh, and he mentioned the slots that they haven't filled up yet. He was confident that they will fill up quickly over the next coming days or, or maybe hit the transfer uh, market to fill up uh, whatever remaining spots are there. So. Uh, for Tennessee, it felt like a pretty stable day. It felt like they kind of knew what they were getting, and they got him. Got some local kids, uh, a couple of offensive tackles who are massive. Um, William Parker from Pearl Cone, 6'5", 330, and Jamar Gooch, Jamarian Gooch, excuse me, from Gallatin, 6'8", 358. Clearly trying to get bigger up front, huh? Yeah, those are large dudes. And and when people talk about William Parker, I mean, he's a three-star three star prospect ranked in the, the 400s, I believe. But everybody talks about kind of what kind of upside he has, uh, how good he can be. Yeah, I mean, he he fits that bill. You need a large human. He's one of those. And Gooch is, I think, even bigger than Parker. I think he's six, seven and a half, three sixty. 360. So uh, even bigger than the other kid. And he's a former Auburn commit from a while ago. He was at the Kings Academy over here in East Tennessee for a minute before he went back to to Middle Tennessee, so they needed to address uh, both sides of the line. I think they did that in uh, a couple different areas. I was going to say you talk about needs uh, to address, regardless of of eventually what the coaching staff looks like. Um, obviously, in the trenches was key. Where else, and and what else do you think they've done to kind of address things? I mean, the big one's Caden Salter. That's your quarterback. That's the guy yeah. you needed to hang on to. That's the guy everybody was worried about when the season struggled. Uh, does the class fall apart? Can you keep these guys in the boat? I mean, he stayed solid. There was no wavering from him uh, throughout the whole process. Katron Evans, he's a guy from Baltimore, St. Francis Academy. They they uh, they put out a ton of talent. He's a defensive tackle, 6'4", 320. He's the kind of guy that they needed to uh, they needed those kind of body types. There's a lot of really big bodies and athletes uh, in this class. They addressed the tight end with uh, a Julian Nixon, uh, you know, Trinity Bells, that got 6'7", 260. He could be a defensive lineman. He could be a tight end. He played tight end in high school. He played basketball. I mean, that's the kind of athlete there. Uh, running back Cody Brown uh, from Georgia. I think he had over 5,000 yards in his career, obviously playing pretty good competition in the state of Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, the way prep football is played there. 
Um, and Tyon Evans is a guy that's he's the number one Juco running back in the country. And he was committed to Tennessee for a while. He decommitted when Tennessee was struggling, but they were able to get him back and he signed today. He's another big body, a, uh, a powerful runner. So uh, they address the skill positions. They address the offensive line. And it feels like they're not done yet. How you look at it's this is a different signing day, right? It just really is because from a recruiting standpoint, coaches aren't doing in-home visits. You know, kids, a lot of them weren't able to come to campus once COVID hit. Um, and then obviously I, I think we're going to see an extremely active transfer portal at this point after this year. So how does that maybe affect or have we seen even across the SEC? coaches maybe leave some spots for some possible transfers. What about guys that decide they're going to come back and, and, you know, they're seniors, but they're going to stay an extra year because they just got a free year of eligibility. Like how, how is all of this going to be figured out numbers wise? That is a a really difficult uh, line that you have to walk or or a game that you have to play. And it's, I mean, it's, I guess that's a, something that kind of happens every year. Uh, yeah. But the difference is every other year you get in-person evaluations. You're on the road. You get to see these guys with your own eyes. Uh, right now you're just relying on tape. I mean, these coaches have not been in, on the road since spring practice was shut down in March when all this started. Uh, so they've relied on tape. They've relied on – I mean, Tyon Evans, the guy we just talked about, Jeremy Pruitt mentioned he's never been to campus at Tennessee, but he committed to the Vols. He decommitted. He recommitted to the Vols, uh, and now he signed with them. So when he shows up to enroll, that will be his first time. Uh, on campus in Knoxville. So I think you do have to kind of leave slots open and think about what you could get on the transfer market because stuff's going to be there. There are, you know, there's there's waivers for immediate eligibility that's different because of what's gone on the last uh, eight months. So it's, it's definitely more complicated. Uh, and for Tennessee, I mean, you think back to May, how many guys they signed, how uh, how much momentum they had on the recruiting trail at that time. You knew as as well as it was going at that point that there could be decommitments down the road just because these guys were, filling spots and, and committing to schools, having never been there, having, you know, in the middle of the relationship building process with these coaches. So uh, this year that happens every year, but this year is on a different level because we've never been through something like this. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. You mentioned Caden Salter. Number one, when does, when will he be on campus? Um, number two, I guess it's Harrison Bailey, JT Shrout. Um, if, if we have a spring practice, those are the two guys plus Kate and Salter. Um, don't know what happens with Ben Maurer, uh, Brian Maurer, excuse me. Don't know what happens with uh, JG. I would assume that he's not coming back. Yeah, it, it would make sense if he didn't. I mean, just based on what we've seen from him the last few weeks. Uh, Caden Salter, if I'm not mistaken, is supposed to be a mid-year enrollee. And, and if there is spring practice, if there's some sense of normalcy there, I think there will be a, a wide-open quarterback battle. I think what you've seen from JT Trout the last two weeks leads you to believe he would come back uh, and want to compete with Harrison Bailey because he's been competing with him, and it feels like he's on pretty uh, a level playing field there. Uh, but with Caden, I think you bring him in and you throw him straight in. I mean, he's a you know he's played big time high school football in the state of Texas. Everybody knows what the, that prep football is like in that state, uh, and he's been successful. He's a guy that uh, has a really nice deep ball. He's a guy that can extend plays with his legs. He's a guy that can cover up deficiencies you know around him because of his athletic ability. So. Uh, I think if he's here mid-year, if you throw him in at spring, it's a wide-open quarterback battle and, and see who wins it. Uh, any chance J.G. goes uh, to Arkansas State with Butch Jones for next year? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. For for J.G., the, everything he's been through at Tennessee, uh, if he's not done playing college football, I hope he goes somewhere and gets a chance because uh, he's been through the ringer, that poor kid. Yep. 
Uh, Walker Merrill, another local kid we need to talk about uh, from Brentwood High School. Um, I've seen him play a few times. Uh, definitely uh, at that level can certainly dominate games. What, what do you see on tape from him? Uh, I mean, you, you can just look at his stats. I don't even think he played every game for his team this season. I think he missed a couple right. games. And I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me, but the stats he put up, uh, the number of touchdowns, the number of yards, the number of catches he had, I mean, it just jumps off the page. Uh, and to be a four-star prospect, to be a wide receiver, to be an in-state kid, that's a, that's a kid that Tennessee needs to keep in-state. That's a kid they need to get, and they did a good job getting him. Uh, and he's going to be a guy that they didn't address wide receiver as much as they addressed other positions, but it feels like he's an important uh, piece to this class. Grant Ramey, 24-7 sports, uh, going through Tennessee's uh, signees. You mentioned they're not done yet. Uh, Terrence Lewis was the most high-profile guy they had committed, decommitted. Looked like he might go to Auburn, and then Auburn pushes Gus Malzahn out the door. Now it's Tennessee and Maryland. What, what do you think about him? That the that's the kind of the big one that's dangling out there, and and the Auburn stuff. Yeah, once he decommitted from Tennessee, it looked like all the momentum flipped to Auburn, and then not so long after that, Gus Malzahn's out the door, and it feels like he's starting from scratch, and he goes to a top two of Maryland uh, and Tennessee. And the interesting thing with him is he's said I don't know if he's going to follow through with this that he wants to sign during the early period, uh, but not put that signing out anywhere until he announces his decision on January second. So. It's happened before. I I don't know how it happens, but it's happened before. Tennessee's in the final two. They had him committed for months on uh, since the spring, I guess since May, uh, when they had that run. So the relationships there, you would think they have as good a chance as Maryland, if not better, because of uh, their history with him. Good stuff, Grant. Uh, People can uh, keep up with uh, signing day stuff uh, with you, Grant at Grant Ramey on Twitter and uh, Go Vols twenty four seven on Twitter as well. Thank you, man. All right, thanks. There you go, uh, Tennessee update. Uh, with regard to Vanderbilt, 19 signees, and uh, including one four-star player, defensive tackle Marcus Bradley, 6'3", 270-pound nose tackle, defensive tackle, uh, committed in November, and uh, stayed true with that. Um, so we'll, we'll hit on some of the Vandy kids a little bit later as we continue to roll through the show. Um, Kirk Herbstreit had something interesting to say, and he's completely right. 98 to 99% of the teams in the country uh, understand before the season begins that they have no shot to win the national title and that something needs to be done there. We've talked about it before, about there being a a different plane, a a Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State plane, and then some teams battle for the four slot, and then there's just a gaping hole to the next plane of teams. Um, Could an eight- or six-team playoff affect – that differently yeah let's talk about when we come back if you've got an idea Yeah, because we need to talk about these college football playoff rankings that came out last night because we do uh, wow yeah and uh, if you want in 615-737-1045 we'd love to get your take on on where we are with the college football world 615-737-1045 three hl power by the tennessee lottery on 104.5 the zone brent doherty don davenport with you uh looking at the uh, injury report that was filed today, Titans-Lions uh, for the Titans under do not, did not practice. Dennis Kelly with a knee, Roger Saffold with a toe, Jer- Jeffrey Simmons with a knee, Jeff Swaim with an ankle, Kenny Vaccaro with an illness he's still battling. That's what kept him out of the game over the weekend in Jacksonville. Uh, limited participation, uh, A.J. Brown with an ankle, Christian Fulton with a knee, Adoree Jackson with a knee, Ben Jones with a knee. Not concerned about any of these as of yet. We'll see uh, what's going on there. Detroit Lions did not practice. Um, 
Jason Cablinda illness, Tyrell Crosby, offensive lineman ankle, Kenny Galladay, wide receiver hip, Deshaun Hand, defensive lineman ankle, Frank Ragnow with the fractured throat, the team's starting center. It just sounds awful. Yeah, he can eat and he can breathe. Um, That's good. That's good, yeah. Those are two positive things. Priorities there. Those are priorities. But he's not supposed to talk. And so the center is the one that barks out the uh, offensive line assignments um, and calls out the middle linebacker. Well, the they're going to have to change that then. Cornerback Daryl Roberts with a hip did not practice, and Matthew Stafford with a rib and a right thumb injury did not practice. Uh, limited today for the Detroit Lions, uh, John Penasini, defensive tackle with a shoulder, Adrian Peterson starting running back with a forearm. And Tracy Walker, a safety with a shoulder. Full participants, Austin Bryant, defensive end with a thigh. And C.J. Moore, uh, safety with an ankle. Uh, Detroit has had injury issues all year long. And um, they continue to have that problem. They are 5-8. and eight. They are in last place in their division. But they still technically could make the playoffs if 8 million things happen. So... That is uh, that is where they are. We were talking about um, the college football playoff and the the big picture look at that. Like, is four where we need to be with that? I, I've never been a four guy, even when we didn't have a playoff. When we didn't have a playoff, I was arguing for a playoff. And I'll tell you when I started, when Auburn didn't mm-hmm. get a chance to play for a national title. That's when I started in on the playoff thing, because that was the year I think it was, wasn't it um, USC and Oklahoma? 2004, USC and Oklahoma, I think, started the season one and two. They never lost, so they never dropped from one and two. And Auburn had started in the 20s, went undefeated, got up to number three, but didn't have a shot because they couldn't crack the top two because they started the season one and two. Correct. Which preseason polls shouldn't matter. And um, they shouldn't because, they certainly shouldn't come out if they make that big of a difference before anybody steps on the field. Right. And so, you know, I, I remember thinking like and, and the argument was real. Like how how are you telling me that one of these two teams is be, is that Auburn's not better than one of those two teams? Mm-hmm. Because you can't make that case for me going through the SEC schedule. So that's yeah. when I started so, in on it. But I was when, in on the eight team play playoff plan that that's where i've always been yeah um yeah that was when auburn played in the i think it was the sugar bowl at that point right uh and uh beat virginia tech to stay undefeated and you know they should have been national champions i mean well shoot at that point that was kind of the chance right that was the a big that was the big shifting of the the guard there too though Yep. So now we have this four-team playoff system, and and under the current plan, every fan in America knows, uh, you know, over the last several years, and for the next several years, it's it's Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama, and then and then people fight over that fourth spot, and not very many teams fight over that fourth spot, and then there's um, so you've got those three sitting (laughs) up here, and then there's a big gap between them and the fourth slot and then there's a big gap between that fourth slot and whoever that that rotating team is year to year and the rest of the college football world and the group of five has no chance which power five guy doesn't care but it's true they have no chance 
Well, but I mean, you can argue that there's some of these teams that should have had that chance, right? So I'm I won't I won't bore you with every single year the proof that a group of five has absolutely no chance, but I'll just pick out some some stats for you. 2015, uh, which was the first year, correct, of of the new college football playoff. Number 18, Houston, 12 and one, was ranked below three loss. Baylor, Oregon, Michigan, and Ole Miss. Four teams with three losses were ranked ahead of Houston that year. Um, 2017, 12-0 UCF ranked 12th. There were six teams with two losses ranked ahead of Central Florida, and that included, I, I know, a three-loss Auburn team ranked five spots ahead at number seven, to which, if you remember, I can't believe I'm bringing all this up, but to which, if you remember, Central Florida then beat the heck out of Auburn in the Peach Bowl after that. So that's a perfect example of maybe a group of five that was was certainly um, screwed. <laughs> and then last year, Memphis was the highest ranked group of five team. They were 17th, and there was Iowa, Michigan, and Auburn, all with three losses, ranked ahead of Memphis, and then on top of it, eight two loss teams that were ranked ahead of them. So clearly the committee is relying too much on eye test and I guess what history, what do you call it? Reputation. I mean, because coming into this, coming into this whole thing, I, I, I have an issue with Ohio state only playing five games and being ranked in the top four. Okay. See, I, I have an because- issue with that. Yeah, I know, and we've had this battle uh, before. Right. I, I just think aesthetically, when you when you look at them, um, I, I just think they're one of – like, if they would have played the entire season out, I think they would have been one of the top four teams out there. I, I get I get the, the limited games, and I, I understand people's argument, and I respect that. Um, so, so I, I just ask- go the other way on that. And, and you know, the one game okay. – the one game they they ended up struggling final score wise was the Indiana game, which I, I think Indiana is getting screwed. You mentioned this during the break, so I, I want to give you props on this for the original idea on this show about Indiana. They're getting screwed <laughs> being ranked at eleventh. I completely agree with you on that um, because you know with, with Penix in as as quarterback, that's one of the better teams in the country. They well, just, and uh, their Ohio State loss was honestly. Uh, a lot of it was self-inflicted, you know, it was what two turnovers in the red zone. And I mean, um, I, I just think, obviously I have to hear about it cause I'm married to an IU guy, but, uh, but, but he's right from that standpoint, there's no way they should be 11th. And then you look at those rankings, you, you talk about the eye test. Okay. I thought if you think that if you're on the committee and you think that Indiana is an 11th ranked team, Ohio state struggled with him. So that's my my argument to you. Okay, well, I test then. Uh, I'm confused because Ohio State's only played five games. Oh, and by the way, USC is unbeaten. They've only played five five games, but you know, uh, they're they're not up there. Like uh, so, I it really just go ahead. I I really don't have a problem under the current system of a four team playoff leaving out the group of five. I get your stats and I respect those programs and all of those things. I just think like if Cincinnati played Indiana, who's ranked 11th, I think Indiana runs them. 
Uh, but that's that's just me. Maybe not. I, I you know, well, I don't know. Well, but- then then that goes back to Kirk Herbstreet's point. Exactly. Then what's the point for your Cincinnati's or your Central Florida's or your Memphis's that have talented kids and talented coaches that uh, that if if we as a, a society truly believe that the group of five cannot beat or doesn't belong in the same conversation as the power five, then what, what are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, I don't have, if you go eight teams, I don't have a problem putting in like the undefeated group of five guy, like, like currently like the pac 12 um, has problems getting in that game. Um, Sometimes they do, but the big 12 has problems getting in that game sometimes. Um, so, So, you know, Florida, like the way they come up with these rankings is, is is not good too on a lot of levels like florida dropped one spot losing at home to lsu who had what two wins an unranked unranked lsu team with a ton of opt-outs and nobody left on their roster and they just lost to them and you're gonna keep them at seven i have an issue with that you know what else i have an issue with iowa state big 12 just what you mentioned why is iowa state checking in at six when they have two losses and there's another argument when they're that far ahead of Louisiana who actually beat them head to head. So you have a head to head matchup and Iowa state has two losses and they're sitting at the sixth spot. I have an issue with that too. You mentioned LSU again, uh, going back to Florida dropped one spot after losing to a 23 point underdog at home who was down their top three wide receivers, their tight end had opted out. They were playing their third-string quarterback, who was a freshman. Their top cornerback couldn't play. They lost two of their top running backs during the game. They lost their other starting cornerback in the first quarter with a targeting penalty, and they had, at the end of the game, 46 available scholarship players, and they took out Florida, and Florida drops one spot. So – I know that that has nothing to do with the top four, but that gives you an indication of where we are on how this group puts together these rankings. Right. Um, so, um, so yeah, Herb street, as you mentioned, uh, kind of started this discussion today, uh, on the internet because he said 98 to 99% of the teams understand before the season begins that they have no shot and right. that something needs to be done. So, you know, are you talking about expansion of the playoff? That that's really the only thing you can do. And, and look, the TV deal goes through what 2025. So the new deal would start 2026. I, I don't know if they could amend the television deal, but that's what's keeping you from expanding that that 14 playoff. But look, you know as well as I do, th- these sports leagues and franchises and all of these things look at the dollar signs. So once they figure out, and I don't know why they haven't, that there's this much more money to be made by having eight teams as opposed to four. Um, then, you know, maybe they'll get that done. So what, what do you think about that? Uh, do you think it's a, a good plan right now the way it is, or do you think that it should be expanded on some level? 615-737-1045. Let's go to Rob in Greenbrier uh, next up on 3HL. Hey, Rob, what's up, man? Hey, Brent, Don. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, yes, sir. Y'all both kind of hit on some points that I wanted to get at. I want to say, first of all, that I think the four-team playoff is the most fair way to determine the best team. Like like we said, it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. One of those three teams the last several years has been the best team and will win. But in my personal opinion, I would love to see an eight-game playoff. Like you, but, and then Brent, like you said, there at the end, it's 
about the dollar sign. So one, yes, more games, more money. And I think that's what influenced the committee to still keeping out a power five team. Because, I mean, as you look at it right now, there'd be four SEC teams in the playoffs. Say Florida does lose another game. Well, they after they lose to Alabama, they can drop them out. Instead mm-hmm. of Cincinnati going to eight, say it was an 18 playoff year, I could see the committee bumping Oklahoma up over them because they're a bigger yeah. name. They're going to get more eyeballs. And kind of like your argument for the NCAA tournament, Brent, like people want to see upsets the first few rounds, but Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, they want to see the Blue Bloods. So why even give Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina a chance to beat one of the top teams as a seven or eight seed, just stick another Blue Blood in there if the argument can be made because the committee can make the argument any way they want. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, great points uh, kind of all over the board there, which is the way I am with this stuff, honestly. Yeah. Well, so it was interesting. So uh, the committee, you know, they always have a committee spokesperson, right? Gary, uh, this year it's Gary Barta, um, who basically says this is why, you know, the committee does what they're doing and makes the decisions that they're doing. So Nicole Auerbach, who writes for The Athletic, asked him today or yesterday, I think it was last night in their yeah, it was last night and last they night. do okay, they do the conference, the press conference afterwards and and she asked him, "Okay, so here's the deal then. My question is, what's the point of playing the games at all? If if it doesn't matter who your losses are, Iowa State or it doesn't matter, you know." And his answer was the games are important because that's what we evaluate. Certainly losses are considered. They're an important part of the evaluation, but so are wins. So he pointed out in Iowa State's case, they beat number 10 Oklahoma. They beat number 20 Texas. Um, Wins and losses, strength of schedules are considered. So games are obviously important. But then obviously the same conversation. Okay, Coastal Carolina has two top 20 wins, but you're not looking at them the same way Mm -hmm. and you know so so they bring up okay well well they struggled against Detroit team to close it out even though they won so that's their argument of like the eye test and I get it and it makes sense sometimes but it's it's very much certain things are are important when it comes to certain programs and history of programs they're more important than they are for other teams and different things are important. It's, it's how you kind of put who you want in it. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, the committee can choose their narrative and then sell it however they want to sell it. I mean, any of us, which is why we need at least eight teams. I totally agree. (laughs) I totally agree. And, and, you know, Mickey's idea with six and and the top two getting a buy that, that kind of froze me on, on my thought process there. But the more I think about it, the more I think we need eight. I, I like I'm not I'm not a 16 guy. That's way too much. I think way um, too much. And, and it's not basketball. Like it's a physical game. Yeah, and so I I think one extra game with the eight teams is 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 good. Let's go to Maynard, who is up next on the road. Maynard, what's up? Thanks for listening. How are you? Yeah, uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, boy, Don, you sure got a lot of issues. Uh, uh, I think an eight team uh, playoff. Uh, with the five conference champions in, in, of the big five in there, the three at large would, uh, that would satisfy me at least a lot more than what's going on right now. Um, and Coastal Carolina, yeah, big deal. Uh, no way. No way. Uh, you, you can line them up, and, and any one day they might win. But you line them up for uh, 10 or 11 weeks in a row, nope, not happening. 
Um, See, I, I agree with you on that. Um, that's why, like, if you go eight teams, Maynard, under your plan of five conference champions, um, which I don't agree with, um, I like it better, as you said. You stated it properly, I think. I like it better than what we have now. Uh, but, you know, five conference champions, you could have a Pac-12 champion with three losses or or whatever. But the thing about Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati and those group of five schools, you could work one of them into a top of it, into that into that 18 playoff and then see, you know, uh, I'm with you in terms of like, if coastal Carolina played an sec schedule, we're not talking about a an 11 and 0 team. We're just not. Um, so I I'm with you on that. And that might be, you know, the, the power five bias in me, uh, but that's, that's where I am too. But if you had the top eight playing in a playoff, I'll run down what that would look like in round one currently with the college football rankings right now. When we come back, we'd love to have more of your phone calls. What do you think about the playoff plan is for the right number? Or do you agree with Herb Street that 98 to 99% of the schools understand before the season even begins that they're not going to be able to play for a national title. And you think that there should be some sort of expansion. 615-737-1045. I thought it was funny that he took a shot at you, Don, but agreed with you um, on, on several of the issues. Not I don't know what Carolina his shot, thing, but. you know, he did not agree with me on Coastal Carolina. Well, I, and I wasn't saying that I think Coastal Carolina should be in the top four either. I mean, <laughs> no, and you um, both uh, like the top, the 18 playoff deal. So. But, you know, I apparently have a lot of issues. Yeah. As do uh, all of us, honestly. Uh, 615-737-1045. You better stop singing. <laughs> they probably need a new promo, so. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. Luckily for you, I was talking over you singing. I've got issues because that would have uh, definitely um, come up. <laughs> All right. Uh, more of your phone calls when we come back, and I'll run down what the top eight in round one would look like in an 18 playoff. That's next, 104.5. So the oldest uh, discussion uh, in college football, at least uh, going back – many years is, is what should the playoff plan be and and I think a lot of us that were playoff people when there wasn't a playoff we're just happy to get a playoff so we're good with four but ultimately I've argued for eight since before there was a playoff and that's kind of where I am now so when when the issue comes up I, I, I like to go back to it because I think discussion will lead us there but that's just my thing I know a lot of y'all are fine with four and I know a lot of y'all uh, before there was a playoff were against the playoff um, but you know, we all have different thoughts on things. That's what makes the world great. If we all agreed on everything, it'd be boring. Right. Um, but would like to get uh, your take on it. Kirk Herbstreit brought it up, uh, 98 to 99% of the schools out there understand that they have no chance at it before the season even begins. Uh, so what can you do? Um, uh, maybe you don't care. Maybe that's your answer. Uh, 615-737-1045. If we had an 18 playoff Don Davenport, mm-hmm. it would currently look like this. One seed Alabama would play eight seed Georgia. Georgia, a much different team now with JT Daniels at quarterback, which a lot of people thought he should have been the quarterback a lot sooner than he was. uh, And that there was some coaching malpractice going on once he was able to play physically that he should have been the guy. Um, That's honestly where I come down on that. But uh, anyway, (laughs) Alabama, Georgia would be in round one. Two seed and seven seed would be Notre Dame and Florida which would be an interesting matchup, right? That Gator offense against Coach Lee coming in, the defensive mindset guy, a defensive mastermind guy coming into Vanderbilt. Um, that would be an interesting matchup. 
Yeah, it really Assuming he was still at Notre Dame. I don't know. My guess is he'll take over at Vanderbilt after this ACC title game, but we'll see. Maybe he'll really? do, do you think so? I don't know. I mean, I know it's a different, I guess, a different time frame. But remember when Pruitt uh, took over, he still coached. He uh, that was a national title. He did both, which I'm yep. sure was really tough. But, but Lane left. Um, if you go back, David Cutcliffe was the offense coordinator at Tennessee, got the Ole Miss job. He left and didn't coach the national championship game. Randy Sanders did. Um, so there are cases. Lane, Lane left because Lane was going to stay. Lane left because he was told to leave, I believe, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so the 4-5 matchup would be Ohio State, the 4 seed, Texas A&M, the 5 seed, which would, I mean, that who wouldn't want to see that game? We were hoping to see it last weekend, um, but we couldn't get it done. Clemson, the 3 seed against Iowa State, the 6 seed. So in this scenario, Cincinnati still gets left out. Now, after this weekend, this whole thing will look different, right? Because my guess is Florida gets run by Alabama and they would be out of it, for example. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But that's what it would look like now. And I guarantee you, like, all of us would want to be watching all of those games. Mm-hmm. More is better in a, in a lot of a lot of cases. Let's go to Eric next up on 3HL talking about this college football playoff thing. Eric, what's up? Hey, guys. So, I think we all forget the whole reason that college football playoffs was started. There was about three or four years in a row where Boise State went undefeated and never made the national championship. And I bring this up because back when I was a kid, the college football games came out, and I'd always take Vanderbilt and use Vanderbilt to see if I could get to the national championship. And I could go undefeated and I could beat teams <laughs> 70 to nothing. And I could get to, to the number two seed, but could never make the national championship game because of, like Babs has said, there is no prestige. There is no history with Vanderbilt. And in all honesty, college football committee, the BCS committee, all those are jokes. They should have been done away with a long time ago. NCAA really needs to step in, and they need to give these schools fair opportunities to win national championships, and everyone should have a right to run to get an opportunity. For example, Cincinnati, they went undefeated. Ohio State, even though they've got the prestige, Ohio State, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, don't even deserve to even, even be looked at for any college playoffs this year because they waited until halfway through the season to start their season. Boom. These guys I like that argument. You hit, you hit me with that argument. I like yep. that <laughs> Now, that's not on Ohio State. That's on their conference No, leadership. but I, I like that argument, though. That's pretty good. The Buckeye fan so, of me wanted to hang up on Eric, but it was a legit point. That was a legit point. Now, again, <laughs> yeah. I, I personally think, and I know people will come at me and disagree with me and all of those things, but – I think Ohio State is one of the best four teams in the country. I just do. And I, I, you can make the argument on the five games. I just think. In the five games that you've seen them play. <laughs> yes. Um, but he makes a great argument in that, you know, may, maybe you could sway my vote on the fact that the Big Ten lacked leadership and were should have started when everybody else did. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five at three HL one zero four five. Let's work Kyle in here 
into the mix. Kyle, what's up? How are you, man? All right, man. How y'all doing today? Good. Um, I know what I'm about to say. It's probably going to be boring and, and you know, <laughs> old or whatever. But I just, I just really feel like we got, we got, you got five, if a uh, uh, group of five, and you got five non-conference, you know, non-group five. That's ten conferences. Take the take the conference champion, ten game playoffs. There you go. But here's the thing: you conference can't... champions, like See, every conference champion. But I don't know. like the conference champion idea, just because you're going to have those years where you know you've got a three loss team who's not any good. Right. But but they do what they need to do to win their conference or whatever. Uh, appreciate the call. Um, but here, here's the thing. He said, I'm going to be boring. <laughs> if you're going to try to win an argument or win over people to your point, don't start by saying, this is just my advice. Take it or leave it. Don't start <laughs> by saying, I'm going to be boring and I sound old. <laughs> like, Don't start with that. Because how many people immediately tuned out? I did, honestly. Like, you you did? Took, yes. I started reading, reading this tweet from Legend. Once he said this is going to be old and boring. Uh, oh, see, I see. I I tuned in because I'm like, tell me how boring you are. <laughs> <laughs> Enlighten me. <laughs> oh man, it's like your dating life back in the day, huh? <laughs> yes. Legend uh, on Twitter: <laughs> New weekly show segment. Dawn has issues in which she takes issue with something going on in the sports world. Boom. That's almost as good. Um, as our Brotox idea, where we yeah. target Botox toward men and we call the company Brotox. Yeah, JT, can you save that caller telling me I got issues? <laughs> save that. I mean, That's going to be a new segment. It's, a, it's a almost segment. kind of a Babs is mad. We had a segment, Dawn is mad. Yeah. Uh, but then you had a baby and you and you softened up a little bit. I but did now, soften. I feel like you're, you're headed back toward uh, the Dawn is mad era. Oh, geez. I'm running red like every day nowadays. Every day. I mean, trust me. Ask this some lady in the parking lot who got mad at me because I parked too close to her, which in her defense, in her defense, I I was a little over the line. <laughs> oh, I've seen your parking work. It's, it's Oh, it's questionable. You're, yeah. You're an artist. Yeah. With, but with then but then she comes at me about it instead of just being like, hey. You you parked really poorly, Hold and on. now how, how I can't would you get have reacted if it would have been her, the same way she reacted to you? Uh, no, absolutely not. Because a sane person doesn't react that way to anybody. I mean, like coming at me, calling me names, like yeah. Wait, like you're, like wait, psycho. You're the person that went out somebody in the Starbucks line, like got out of your car to go talk to her. Yeah, and, and she wouldn't roll, roll down, down her down window. window. Yeah, I just kept knocking on it for like a minute straight until she moved, and she would not roll her window down. Nor would you know why? <laughs> I know, but she. But you know what? Here's what you don't do: you don't pull in front of somebody who's about to turn left, who didn't want to block traffic, and then you just go around them and pull right in front of them. No, you don't do that, and don't don't expect to do that, and somebody to not come and knock on your window and tell you about it. Anyway, so on the door, it's so, yeah. Davenport. So I'm, I'm, let's go. Like I run red again. So I got did issues. Let's do it. Husband, we'll start it next week. Did your husband tell you or suggest kindly to you, uh, 
to not run on red so much, maybe? Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> and right. you know what I did? I ran red on him on that comment. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you. There's no way I would have said that to you. What do you do when you're, what do I do when you're running on red? I laugh. <laughs> you do laugh. You just ignore me and laugh. <laughs> All right. Headlines coming up three. Tell 104.5.